We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. And joining us, the host of the Eurostep Podcast. You know him from Talk of the Tundra as well. You know him from Cruising for a Bruising. He's six foot one and he's tons of fun. Ty Winders. Ty, thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks for getting my canonic height out there. I really appreciate that as well, Andrew. Uh, excited for once to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, which is great. There's no, uh, there's no sneezy, vomity chicken parm on our plates this morning as we record. Yeah, it's funny no, how we... you show up for that Thai bandwagon windish. It's funny just, right. uh, you know, they string a series together where we don't have anything to be sad about. Well, not quite. Not in terms of baseball sense. Uh, injuries might be a different conversation. And poof, just like that. He appears, Ty Windish. I moved past my disconcerting meal, um, and we're ready to turn <laughs> a new page. Relieved for that. Before we jump in, I want to do something. I want to give a, a plug to something we've got going on on the Eurostep Podcast Network today, um, and that is a very, very special weekend for for the books in a historical sense. Three former books coaches are entering the Hall of Fame this weekend. Most notably, though, Larry Costello, the franchise's first coach. The one of two books head coaches to win an NBA championship, of course, alongside Mike Budenholzer. And to celebrate, to market, Jordan and I have a very special episode of Win in Six that is live. It's up right now over on the Eurostep Podcast Network feed. Jordan has been hard at work. He's put together a great audio essay on Costello's life, his times as a player, as a coach, inside the NBA, outside the NBA. It's a really great listen, and if you don't know a whole lot about Costello and his place in books history, that's a great place to start uh, ahead of what is a really long overdue honor for him. Um, One that it's sad, unfortunate that he's not alive to see, but at long last, uh, over 50 years since he won a championship as a books head coach, even longer since he won one as a player in Philadelphia, he will be enshrined in the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend. So latest episode of Winning Six in the Eurostep Podcast Network feed. We've got something very special on that. So please do go and check it out. I concur 
check that out. Check out when in six in general, anytime it's posted, check out the Euro step, check out talk of the tundra, check out, make time for this. We got a lot going on. Got a lot of stuff. Yeah. GSPN.info so, baby. So much room for activities. Uh, we we're coming to this on the heels of what may have been the most depressing podcast we've had of the season. But today is a new day. We've, we've, we've seen some positive things. Uh, First of all, Ty, we haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, you've been busy talking about the Packers, talking with me and Numak, the host of Talking with Hunter, about over-unders. Where where do you come in on the Brewers uh, after the way things have been? Man, I have been all over the place with the, the Packers show, getting getting us ready there and been talking about the Packers. And then Eurobasket, Giannis and Greece competing in Eurobasket. We've been all over that for on the Euro step. So, you know, it's been kind of a chaotic last couple of weeks for me with the Brewers. And then you just see, this has been my Brewers experience for a lot of the past two weeks. Oh, they're up 1-0 in the second. This is great. Look at my phone again 30 minutes later. Oh, they're down 7-1 to now. It, it's just been a lot of that. A lot of like just the, the alerts will just bombard you. I think I've said before, it's like an anime fight when a character is getting punched through the air. It's just like, wh- where are all these blows coming from? So I, I've been able to like tap into the heartbreak in a less direct sense and just kind of seen it from more of a farther distance. So uh, that's where my Brewers experience has been at. Obviously, some of the, the injury news coming into this series and in the quote unquote series, uh, two games has been disappointing and following that as well. Um, you know, Garrett Mitchell, certainly excited about him coming up, even though obviously the the ERA is uh, not the ERA, the, the average OPS, whatever, is not the greatest right now, um, but really kind of just through listening to cruising and watching a little bit from afar and, and listening to a few games here and there, just kind of been, you know, I think Adam kind of hit the nail on the head, just kind of, oh, I could tune into the Brewers game now. Oh, they're, they're down four runs. Oh, maybe I'll do something else. Maybe I'll check back into this one a little later. Um, so yeah, that, that's been my Brewers experience. Although I still, it just took one day of winning for me to go, they are still just two and a half games out. You know, it's, Hey, Craig Timber, better late than never, baby. So yeah, that's pretty, I think that sums it up pretty well. The and last time I think you happen. were, you were on with us was the hater trade episode, which that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's which, right. To, to look back at how things have changed since your last appearance. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Well, it, sh- it goes to show, I was looking today, right? Because obviously we all, I think, check the standings page all the time now. And I'm always on the wild card page. So I figured, oh, maybe I'll go. I mean, how far back are they of the Cardinals? And you look at the number, it's like, oh, my God. Remember when they were up? Remember when it was like, oh, man, they can, you know, these last four games, they should determine who's going to be top in the Central. And it's not even close. I mean, I think if the Brewers sw- sweep all four of those games across the two two-game series, it won't matter. So, yeah, it, a lot has changed uh, is very, very safe to say. I think Kurt Hogue shared there's eight teams in MLB who have won less games than the Brewers after they did the franchise best start. I think it was their first 60 games or so. They were, what, 32 and 18, first 50 games that would be. Um, yeah, so they've been a bottom 10 team since then, basically. Woohoo! Every, every time we try to prepare arrangements for the funeral, they do, in fact – show a pulse and uh that's what happened yesterday a thursday with two baseball games to play moving on to the series against the giants a doubleheader uh we said on the last podcast we've been saying on a million podcasts that all right we're getting into must sweep territory and this doubleheader that stopped being hyperbole or a wish or something that was the ideal situation and turned into a necessity and that's what happened uh, game one, and we're just going to call this the Corbin Burns game because that's what it was. Uh, eight innings pitch, three hits, just one run, no walks, 14 strikeouts. 100 pitches in those eight innings, absolutely dominant. In the third, uh, after a Lamont Wade Jr. bloop single, Mike Yastrzemski doubles to score a run and make it one nothing. The only real damage off of Corbin Burns. And very easily could have not happened, but that was just kind of baseball. And instead, he buckled down and didn't allow anything else. He was attacking batters all game and was just tremendous. 
In the fourth inning, a Christian Yelich double scores Chase Peterson. Hunter Renfro follows that with a double to score Christian Yelich. They go up 2-1 in the fourth, and that was it. Burns on the mound, locks everyone down. Devin Williams comes out uh, for a 12-pitch save in one inning. He cobbled together nine innings with Corbin Burns and Devin Williams. He probably had a good game. You get two runs, you win 2-1 in a game that I think lasted less than two and a half hours. Just an ace did what an ace does. The offense was not great. Only uh, three hits for the team there, but just enough because of how good Corbin Burns was. Yeah, his stuff was nasty too. Like it was really one of the the most impressive on a kind of pitch-to-pitch level too, not just the kind of the overall sum of, of what he produced. When you, you look at the pieces, he really had it on a string. He was a complete control. And considering what some of his recent starts had looked like and how that was really starting to pain us and pain the Brewers' playoff hopes, great to see him bounce back. And in the moment where they could not afford anything less, if he has another struggle here and the Brewers are down 5-1 or 5 nothing, and he's coming out in the fourth or the fifth, on this day, in a doubleheader, with Freddie in the condition he was in, as we see later, with bullpen arms, uh, you know, day-to-day, it is very much fluctuating and how we're feeling about that and what kind of performances we're getting almost across the board from them. So for Corbin to step up, go the eight innings pitched, 14 strikeouts, doesn't get much better. And that's, I remember earlier in the season when he gave an interview after, I can't remember what game it was, but it was one of his best outings of the season. And he was still a little bit disappointed. And he stressed that every time he goes out there, he's looking to go nine innings. This is about as close as he's gone. And it was maybe the game where they most desperately needed him to do that. So massive, massive credit to Corbin Burns. This is what you expect from someone of his caliber. The Brewers could have done with a bit more of it recently. But hey, if this is the start of a really strong finish to the season, who knows? Maybe, Andrew. Maybe, Ty. Maybe we'll have some fun things to look forward to. And if Corbin can be pitching at his very best and the Brewers can find their way into the playoffs, then, you know, anything could be possible. Who knows? So very, very reassuring to see. And even if it is just this one September day, this doubleheader that the Brewers got to need, it was nice to get some real joy out of a, a Brewers game for first time in a while. I, this is what it took to score a run on Corbin with the way he was pitching today. You already mentioned it's a bloop single followed by a double. It's a bloop single followed by Yastrzemski getting to a full count. So Wade was off with the pitch and then the double gets him home. Like it was such a, one of those specific circumstances in, in baseball uh, plays. And that I think really shows you how locked in Burns was that it, it took that just to get one run across against him. I think given stakes of the game as you mentioned Ad, Adam and how well he pitched how deep he pitched this is the first time a Brewers pitcher has gone eight this year or up there one of the few times I think maybe Woodruff did it once or twice but it's certainly one of the best starts we've seen irrespective of circumstance I think given the circumstance to me it's probably the most impressive Brewers outing this season so great to see that come from Corbin Burns who as you mentioned it was getting a little nervy and I've got to admit, I think some of the optimism today might be, yes, they won two games and important games for getting back in the standings. Also, I think we all kind of knew, like, if Corbin wasn't going to be Corbin, does it, any of it really matter for this season, right? Does it, If he's going to be just an okay MLB pitcher by his standards, does, does it matter if they get to the wild card? I mean, if they throw him out there and he's not going to be Corbin Burns, I don't think we feel great about it anyway. So I think it's like double encouraging to get the win here and to see Corbin pitch like this. Absolutely. Sometimes you just need your ace to be an ace, and specifically with how he had looked in the last few outings. Uh, this is encouraging, and to add him to your point, even if it's just a memorable moment in a season that will – be lost to memory because it doesn't turn into anything more than a regular season of 85 win baseball. Uh, it was still a nice moment to have and something that, like we said, is keeping this team alive. But none of that matters if they don't win game two. And going into game two, Freddie Peralta on the mound, some concern with the way his velocity has been trending down lately, some right shoulder issues stemming from back when he had his stint on the IL, which was 
big chunk of the season. It's easy to forget. He would take the mound today against another opener for the Giants. Forgot to mention that. They went with two left-handed openers, which was something Ty had noticed. Uh, Craig playing with the lineups uh, went Barrasso in the leadoff spot at third base in uh, both games. And in both games, after that, a bat against the lefty and the subsequent removal, Jace Peterson inserted into the lineup and most importantly inserted into the field. Uh, Jace Peterson, uh, gold glove truther right here, obviously has not played enough for that to be a factor anymore but uh there are dozens of us and uh so freddie peralta versus alex young to start the day brewers get things started off uh early a couple of walks and then a ground ball to evan longoria that probably should have been a double play by hunter renfro but instead gets under his glove that was the retirement reel for longoria if i've ever seen one uh Willie Adamas and Mike Barrasso score, makes it 2 nothing Brewers in the first. Kessling Hira then hits a sacrifice fly to right to score Christian Yelich. 3 nothing Brewers after the first. Uh, but things were not good for Freddie Peralta. Goes two innings, walks a pair, three strikeouts, velocity once again down, uh, this time into the, the high 80s, uh, going below that 90-91 that he was sitting um, in his last few starts. Removed after two innings, they're calling it right shoulder fatigue. And it just speaks to some of the things we were talking about the last episode. We talked about Freddie. Uh, it's getting to the point where this will require an IL stint. Freddie's optimistic that he'll pitch again this year. I think it's time to shut him down and think about his long-term future in this Brewers rotation. I don't know about your thoughts. I mean, part of that is he's going to the IL now what of the brewers got left by the time that they even consider oh we may be good to go again maybe we try this season could be over like they are in a chase for the wild card losing him is not going to help particularly well eric lauer has some concerns of his own particularly as we're still waiting on aaron ashby like things are pretty treadbare right now beyond being like oh well at least there's corbin and woody um hauser coming back is still very much a work in progress i think start to start what you get from that is going to be interesting and then if you've got someone like jason alexander in the mix we know that's setting the table and generally you're gonna get four to five in best case scenario and then you're gonna be using a lot of bullpen arms so with all of that said i think as much as freddie could have optimism as much as the brewers could uh, losing him is a big deal to this team with the waiter starting pitching is stretched already right now and ultimately just the cost of losing him the cost of a lot of the other concerns and issues they're dealing with could make the decision for them because you may not have something to bring freddie back for if this team takes off and they find a way to patch things together and they are a playoff team maybe that's a different conversation and if they do get to a place where playoffs are realistic, that will also mean they've done a good enough job surviving without Freddie, where maybe you can buy him some meaningful time on the IL to to rest up and see if it can be resolved. But I, I kind of think one way or another, this situation is going to resolve itself. If the Brewers are out of contention or looking like they're not going to be in the playoffs, well, then you just call it a season and you make sure he's good to go next year. And if they can survive without him and they can make a run and be a playoff team, well, then maybe it's a different conversation. And at that point, they probably are looking at getting him back for the postseason. It's now a bad time to note that uh, Robert Gasser had five walks and three and two-thirds in his first Triple uh, A start. I just uh, they, they, They're not going there yet anyway. Like, yeah, you know, I know. It would be funny if that was the prospect who ended up helping them in the stretch run after we all hoped it would be Ruiz and we haven't really seen him yet. But... Yeah, it's it would be this is why it really stinks that I mean Alexander, you know, has been what he's been. It really stinks that Ethan Small after like the super at least for me, all the hype around the debut against the Cubs, you know, which feels like feels like an eternity ago now, man. That that game and that that also a doubleheader, I believe. Um, that it just has gone so poorly. And I saw he's also been getting lit up in Nashville recently too. All I know is if Freddie isn't good to go, it's got to be Alexander or bullpen days or some or somebody else from AAA that they feel good about. I don't think you can ask Ethan Small again. It just feels like this year has been a little bit too much for him. 
And I think, you know, even if a lot of where we're at now is just like kind of being resigned to the Brewers being where they're at, I think there still is a lot of pressure with being a guy who is called up to pitch games right now when, you know, hey, maybe they win a lot of games and still don't make it. But every loss right now is just so detrimental to trying to get to the playoffs or the postseason. So I I just I don't think it should be him, which is tough because it just doesn't leave you with a lot of good options. Um, Yeah, so. I agree. I think the way Freddie looks right now, unless something miraculously changes, like he's clearly not ready to pitch in two weeks or something. It doesn't appear that way. I mean, he had no velocity, could not get through, could not even get an out in the third inning, which is just really tough considering where we're at with Lauer too. I think it's got to be Craig Tember opener time unless, again, they feel really good about somebody in in AAA, which I don't know who it would be. I think think we're going to see small again. Like when when so. we can, he he pitched on Wednesday, I think, right, Andrew, or Thursday. It was very recently, but possibly by the Freddy slot, whether it's the ideal or not. And I, I think the one thing I'll say on that is, with his struggles as a starter, I think Andrew and I many times discussed and advocated for get get him up and give him bullpen reps and see if you can build some confidence inning by inning and see how his stuff plays, even in a smaller role. And mm-hmm. I think regardless, they are going to need to, because like that, that's my one concern with talking about bullpen days. <laughs> this bullpen is stretched enough as it is, I think, with, with the situation with a lot of the starters, that I think you just need to have someone come up, eat innings, and hopefully be good. The like, problem is he hasn't been able to eat innings in the majors. Yeah, but if the, if eating those innings is going to mean that he's giving up seven runs and you're losing those games, I think the Brewers are going to somewhat be in situations they're going to have to take that risk and hope, well, this is the moment where it's going to click. I like, I don't know if there is just this ideal scenario that's going to set the table for the kind of results they need, the kind of process they need. This is kind of approaching desperate times, desperate measures. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Ashby, according to Adam McCallie, is throwing a bullpen on Saturday. So get an idea of what his timeline looks like probably sooner. Uh... As our friend in the Discord, Logan, pointed out, a guy that I mentioned uh, would need to be added to the 40-man, but uh, Josh Lindblom, uh, veteran, uh, not of wars or anything, I don't think, but a veteran uh, baseball player. Uh, his last few starts in Nashville have been very good since August 11th. Uh, I think he's made one, two, three, four, five starts, one earned run, two earned runs, one earned run, three earned run, no earned runs, all in – most of them in six innings, one in five innings. He's looked uh, good lately in Nashville, despite having overall uh, not stellar numbers. Like I said, he would be uh, have to be added to the 40-man, so someone like Trevor Kelly would have to be uh, designated for assignment in a situation like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll probably be the uh, the small route if, if – 
if I had to guess, I agree with you. Um, but yeah, tough, tough on Freddie. Really just at the end of the day, hope that whatever happens with him, his future with the Brewers and his future in baseball is taken care of because there's no sense in rushing him back to any point, whether they're in a playoff chase at that point or not, there's no sense in ruining the rest of his career. I know as a competitor, he wants to be on the field. He's one of our favorite guys to watch just because of the passion he brings to baseball because of how just electric he is when he's got his full health, but, uh, not worth risking it overall. Brewers. He's been, have... he's been pitching well too, even in spite of all this is the thing. It's yeah. just, it, it always feels like you're just moments away from it all going wrong, but they've been having to pull him before those moments. But that's, that's also, I guess, a tough thing. And the thing that maybe for him is making him want to be out there even more is he is getting positive results, even when his velocity is not where you'd like to see it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's not something that is sustainable at all. The rosters, the way they're set up, you're slightly better equipped to deal with something like this where you might need bullpen games than you would have been uh, in, let's say, July or August. That being said, you're not as well equipped to handle this as you would have been uh, back in the day when you had the full 40-man extended rosters and it was just fake baseball where you could bring in just a conveyor belt of relief pitchers. It, uh, it does help too. They have a lot of off days for the rest of this month. They have two around the Cardinals series next week and then one after the Red series concludes after next weekend. So if they do want to go that route, at least they'll be able to get extra days off for the guys in there. I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just bird because I was so excited before the debut and it went so poorly as it is second start as well. I just I'm so anti seeing Ethan Small again this year. I'm not out on his career. I just don't think it, this is the year for him. I I think at his age and at the place he's at, it's like if if we're out and seeing him this year, and if the Brewers are out on that, and they're not giving him a chance to work out some things so that he can factor next year in a way with more confidence, it gets it gets pretty grim pretty quickly. It like from being someone we were very excited about. I I really don't think they've served him well. And for the counter to it again, it's just. He may not be the good outcome, but I did, I don't think they can go, oh, look, we won't go to Eaton Small. We're confident this guy is going to deliver for us. They just don't really have that and not to really bring the mood down here. But when we talk about potential bullpen starts, we talk about the situation they're in, you know, what would really be useful? Uh, if if Trevor Rosenthal could actually play, if uh, Denelson Lamette had actually been a brewer, just it's a point where it's like, oh, yeah, fortified with some quality arms that have been good. Um, and yeah, we don't need to revisit all that. But it is making me think about it. And we're like, you know, bullpen days. It's like, yeah, I think a ways where maybe that could have been possible that it now isn't. I wonder if Tristan uh, Peters is going to pitch more more MLB slash MILB innings than uh, Rosenthal this year. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal, they didn't actually trade for the player. They traded for an NFT of Trevor Rosenthal, his baseball card from his rookie year with the Cardinals. That's what you guys don't realize. That's going to be worth something in the future. And that's going to, that's going to give us more. Are you saying that's going to, I was going to say, is buying more (laughs) bites the apple? Yeah, it's going to appreciate and we get way more apples. It was an investment. We got a bushel full of apples. So Freddie removed after two innings pitched. Uh, all dourness aside, is that a word? Who knows? Um, Peter Strzelecki comes in and provides two innings of scoreless relief. He gave up the solo homer that was the, the tying shot against the Rockies, and he bounces back nicely here. ERA on the season settles in at an even three. I still believe in Peter. Uh, Hobie Milner comes in, throws an inning in two-thirds of scoreless relief, uh, allowed two hits and a walk, so it wasn't the cleanest performance from Hobie, but he did his job. Uh, Brad Boxberger comes in, fires an inning, uh, got out of the inning that uh, he inherited from Hobie, allowed a hit, a run, a walk, one strikeout. And then in the sixth inning, Garrett Mitchell uh, needed this uh, badly. He's a podcast favorite, but he'd been struggling at the plate, uh, delivers an opposite field, double to left that scores Luis Arias to make it four to nothing. Um, as I mentioned, the Giants do get – a run in the seventh on an RBI ground out fitter's choice that scores Mike Yastrzemski as Ty noted to me the very beginning of this podcast could have been a double play to get Boxberger out of the inning, but uh, was not to be in the eighth Matt Bush on to pitch 
uh, Jock Peterson hits a homer to right field. The, uh, the solo homer issues for Matt Bush continue. He has moments where he's absolutely electric and then uh, one swing uh, taints an otherwise good performance. But the Brewers would win this game. Ninth inning, Taylor Rogers comes in. Uh, another guy uh, like Strezlecki, who had struggled in that Colorado series, uh, comes on and just shoves. One inning pitch, strikes out all three uh, Giants that he would face, gets the Brewers the doubleheader sweep. And so there's things in the wild card to talk about and look ahead to. There's concerns about overall what the rest of the season will be. But on this Thursday in September, a doubleheader sweep when the Brewers needed it. And uh, it was a fun day to watch baseball. And sometimes, you know, I was very, very, very uh, uh, dismal in my tone and in uh, some of the things I was talking about. Uh, This was, this was different. This was you're on the way home from work. Uh, You don't have time for a fancy meal, but you know what? Your favorite Italian slice shop also makes a great sandwich. And you know what they do even better? They do a chicken parm. You get a chicken parm, you get a side of fries, the cheese and the marinara's like leaking over the fries. It's messy. It's not classy, but it gets the job done. Boy, does it taste good. This was a delicious chicken parm sandwich. (laughs) I love that your your fancy meal and your fast on the way home from work meal is somehow both a chicken parm, just like different (laughs) versions. And now I imagine for every circumstance in your life, you just have varying degrees of classy chicken parms. Three times a day, Andrew's just, you know, (laughs) channeled down on chicken parm. Got some chicken parmio cereal he eats in the morning, and then we just go from there. Uh, yeah. Uh, chicken parm till I die, I guess. I haven't had chicken parm in years, probably. Sounds, uh, sounds like a... you want it, though. Sounds like there's a craving <laughs> there. You might need to go and deal chicken with Chicken parm sushi, perhaps? It's an itch I haven't in a number of years, apparently. Uh, yeah, two-game... Two-game... Sweep of the Giants. They needed it. Uh, we handed out beers, fellas. Thoughts on the beers? Uh, this is going to be an exciting moment. We've only done this once before. Uh, Corbin Burns uh, with the bullpen hurting and uh, things not looking great. He delivers those eight innings with only one run, no walks, three hits, 14 strikeouts. Corbin Burns gets a, a double beer today. Gentlemen, that thoughts on That on one's this? for you, Numac. Get off our backs. Yeah, we get we gave him the Brutus sized beer. No, I think uh, we chatted about it before the episode, and just given the circumstances, and and on the episode after the game one part portion here, I mean it was just such a huge moment. So I think certainly well deserved. And maybe is there a little? Thank God we get to see uh, Corbin look like Corbin again in this double beer. Maybe there is, but you know we'll we'll give it to him either way. It's Corbin Burns. He deserves all the beer. Yeah, I think it's undeniable. It's absolutely up there, the very best we've seen from any pitcher this season. And he deserves it. Uh, it helps them not just win one game, but win two is is also the other factor. I think we've got to really flag up there because going into a doubleheader, if the rest of those bullpen arms had had to come out in game one, game two could be a very different story. So getting Corbin going eight innings, Devin saving, and then seeing tree runs go up in the first to start game two, which is a nice place to be there. We never get to be. Um, that's all part of kind of Corbin's work and the setup that he does to get the Brewers on the right track into game two as well. Okay. So Andrew's technology has failed him. Uh, either that or he's just dashed out for some chicken parm. He couldn't wait any longer <laughs> after all these years. So we'll play the music, and just like Edwin Diaz, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up to the mound here, and I'm gonna close this thing out. Um, two beers for Corbin Burns, as we said. Rare, rare occasion. He joins at Rowdy when Rowdy um, set the franchise RBI record in the only times this season we have awarded two beers to a single brewer. Rest of the Master Brew points go to Peter Strzelecki, who nice bounce back two. Scoreless innings, good clean work for Strzelecki, very well deserved. 
one of the kind of the underrated stories of the season from a quality outings from a development standpoint i don't think when we originally saw him come up we expected much of him it felt like he was there to eat some innings and he has proven with his play that no he can be a whole lot more than that and coming into the final stretch of the season really important taylor rogers another player bouncing back we've really had the full breath of the taylor rogers experience since he's arrived in milwaukee we've had some really good stuff some really bad stuff this is up there with the best of it. Three strikeouts um, to record a save. Doesn't get much better than that. Can't ask for much more than that. And lastly, he didn't get one last time after hitting the ultimate bomb this season. 499 feet. Yeah, he had in the last series. In this occasion, one for five with two walks, two runs and an RBI. Very, very solid work because he continues to just be effective at a time where that is essential for the Brewers. Any thoughts, Ty, on, on those three Master Rue points? Yeah, quickly, I love Streslecki, uh, and couldn't agree more that his emergence this year is pretty big deal, especially, you know, Hobie has kind of ta- tapered off after the, the red-hot start to the season. Box comes and goes and, and was, I think, good. Like like we talked about, almost got out scoreless in, in game two here. Um, and Taylor Rogers, nice to see him pitch well again. It just feels like it's just going to be an, kind of an up and down thing, which I think we have to get used to now that, you know, Hader and Hader's been up and down too, of course. But now that, you know, we don't have prime, you know, world demolishing Josh Hader, that that's just how life with closers is probably going to be for a bit. Although Devin is still, you know, pretty, pretty electric most of the time too. On Yelly, I think this is really interesting that he got a beer for this two game set. Because it was the first time he didn't hit leadoff since a lone Dodgers game, since he started hitting leadoff. Hits third in both games. I think this is likely a little bit due to the brass against opener Definitely. lefty strategy. But just good to see that, you know, Yelly was still able to succeed there because we've certainly mm-hmm. talked about and wondered, you know, would he look the same as not leadoff? And I think. You know, the, the bomb, the longest MLB homer this year, I believe. Longest by a lefty in Coors Field history against the Rockies. The average, I think now he leads the team in average. I know people hate average, but Yelly's playing better is is the simple way to put it, the quicker way. You know, I think that I shared this recently. If Yelly back and Corbin back are both true, that's the one way you could see this Brewers team really getting back into the wild card and doing something interesting there. So I think really encouraging to see those two guys combine to get three beers and Yelly to do it outside of leadoff. I mean, in the grand scheme, if Yelly can be a guy who can hit two, can hit three and provide real impact there, that would be great for this Brewers team going forward. So we're not going to say MVP form, anything like that. No, no. If Yelly's back, if Yelly's useful at, at two, at three, that's a big deal. So I think encouraging series on multiple fronts, everything outside of injuries, basically. I mean, his OPS is up to 753 now. It's not like exactly where you want it to be for a version of Christian Yelich, but I think considering some of the darker times, it's getting pretty respectable. It's in line with a lot of his teammates. Uh, you're you're right, I guess, in your, your note with average. He does lead the team on average, although that does not tell the full story. I think when you add that, he's a team that walks. He's, he's far, first by far a ton away. in OBP, he's, yeah. He's 20 walks ahead of Rowdy, who's second. So Yelly's got 74 walks to Rowdy's 54. And that leads Yelly coming in with an OBP of 360, um, which, yeah, it's it's a big, big gap. I mean, Jonathan Davis, 344. Brasso, 343. You're probably going to Colton Wong to someone, though, who has been an everyday starter at any point this season at 333. So... Yeah. That, that is kind of the key for it, too, and only one hit here, but two walks again. A lot of that was something that I really felt like sparked when he did go into the leadoff spot, and ultimately I think that's where we'll continue to see him and should see him. But you're right, it's a good observation. It was something that he unlocked something we hadn't seen early in the season from him when he moved to that spot. So even if it's just for a game or here or there that he's moving out, it's not just messing with his rhythm entirely. It's something else that is pretty encouraging there. Um, looking ahead, three against the Reds. Three home games against the Reds. On paper, we know what the outcome should be from that. If you're a good team, if you're serious about building some momentum and making the playoffs. We also know just how the Brewers have struggled in 
taking care of the crappy teams in their division this year. And it's the real reason why the Cardinals are now far, far away in the distance, why the Brewers are kind of scuffling, trying to find their way into the playoffs. Are you feeling good? Have you got optimism that this doubleheader sweep will have them in a in a good spot going into a series on the mound? We've got Jason Alexander for game one, Adrian Hauser for game two, Brandon Woodruff for game three. I think we all feel good about Woody, but certainly there is quite a lot of variance in what we're going to see from starting pitchers in game one or two. Yeah, I do feel good despite you know the, the variance. I think at least it's nice that we've got three spots in the rotation that like were planned up pre anything with Freddie uh, on deck. So at least we don't have to wonder or, or, like scrap to find someone to start those games. So I guess the, with so many pitching injuries, now the bar for me is like, is there someone there to do it? And for these three games, at least the, the answer is yes. So I'm excited. Um, you know, I think it's, we're, we're still kind of funny enough at where we were at like a month ago, right? Which is, take care of business against the bad teams and you have a pretty good shot. I mean, the Brewers don't control their own destiny anymore. The Phillies have not been red hot. I mean, they're up against the Nationals next who have been a good spoiler. I think they just split with the Cardinals. So still playing respectable baseball, despite, you know, trading away uh, Juan Soto. So yeah, I do feel pretty good. I think it feels like what we saw against the Giants, these two games could be the start of something different. Maybe that's just complete foolish optimism. But between Corbin setting the table early, the the hitters, I mean, kind of, you know, double play, should have been double play, scored a couple of guys in, in the second game. But they put balls into play and scored runs, no homers on, on their run scored, which is, you know, they probably score a little more, obviously, if they hit some dingers there. But nice to see them able to manufacture runs without the long ball. And bullpen really, really good outside of what, like the one, the, the box run. So uh, I think encouraging game overall, games overall. And you hope this is the start of a, a more sustained run of competent baseball, which is a pretty low bar. But that's all we need right now with still bad teams and home games coming up. Very much so. For standings watch. The Brewers are two and a half games back of the Phillies for the final wildcard spot in the National League. Um, three games back of the Padres. Of course, at this point, it is also worth noting they have lost the tiebreaker to both of those teams, so you might as well consider it three and three and a half games back. Nice to see the gap close. First time in a while that it has closed meaningfully. Um, that was also something that that double header was kind of there and waiting where we were like the Brewers had played fewer games and Hey, if they just win those games, we'll see what happens. They've won them. Now they've just got to keep pace and they've got to keep eating into that lead beyond it. It would be a really great time to just finally take care of business, go sweep the reds and you never know where you're going to be going into a series with the Cardinals, which is going to be colossal, just not for the reasons that we once hoped the series with the Cardinals would be really big. But yeah, things are things are looking up compared to where they have been. Still some work to do. We may still need some Josh Hader help over in San Diego. Um, we may need the Phillies to just become deathly afraid of making the playoffs. All of these things are possible. So it's it's not completely out of the question. But the Brewers have their own issues to work out too. I guess we'll wrap up on that with a final kind of couple of notes or a few thoughts on the ongoing injury concerns. Andrew noted that uh, Aaron Ashby is scheduled to have a bullpen on Saturday, I believe, as Andrew said. Um, Eric Lauer has had positive results from his MRI, where he's going to speak to his doctor today. So possibly for some of you, by the time you listen to this, we'll know some more about Eric Lauer. Uh, it seems like a guarantee he'll miss one start, to be honest. But if, if it was only one start, you'd probably live with that. And Freddie, we've touched on. That's the real question. That's the kind of the wild card in the equation. You've made your thoughts, your feelings on the Brewers possibly having to turn to Ethan Small pretty clear. Do you believe, though, that the Brewers can weather through this storm and work out a way that they're getting what they need from their starting pitching? For example, if we're to look at the current schedule, and they may play around with this a little, although coming off a double header, they probably don't have the flexibility they'd like. Um, 
the open slot at the moment that is really the Freddie Peralta slot is for game two against the Cardinals against Adam Wainwright. And <laughs> that will be a, if that ends up being the eaten small spot, like that's a tough place to be. Um, in an ideal world, they would have been able to push Woodruff back one and have Woodruff and Burns go up against the Cardinals. I, I think that's a quite an extended break. It would be for Woody. It's unlikely to happen. But with that kind of on the horizon with, let's not forget beyond the Cardinals, we've got three against the Yankees, three against the Mets. These are not joke series coming up by any means. Are you feeling okay with where they are with pitching going into that kind of daunting stretch of schedule? No, no, not really. Um, I'd feel a lot better, which is funny because I think there's been a lot of like lower doubt lately and kind of earned, but I'd feel a lot better if we could get him going for this uh, and then just rely more on Jason Alexander, who, I, again, I think it's just more likely to at least get to a place where you're only going to need three to four relievers versus needing, you know, a whole crew of relievers. If, if it's an Ethan small start, maybe that is just all, the only option, you know, I was intrigued and I already forgot the name. So I guess not that intrigued by Josh the uh, starter. Yeah, Josh Lindblom that uh, John and, and Andrew had had mentioned. But um, I think I'd almost rather just see someone like that. I know, you know, maybe it doesn't not not the best for Ethan Small long term that just not give him a shot anymore. But I also think I guess you can almost punt a game if it's a Cardinals game. But I just don't know if you're in a position as the Brewers to do that. And I just to me, that's what small started to feel like at this point. Or, I mean, a bullpen game is just so costly given, you know, that I did mention they have two days off around the Cardinals, but then it's three three Yankees, three Mets, four Reds without any days off. So just makes it difficult on your, your bullpen arms. A small start may just essentially be a bullpen game, though. Like, I yeah, think that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the catch of that. You're just starting him and it is a bullpen game and you're planning for that. And maybe that is the way to go. And then if you get more than that, if all of a sudden – your three innings in and he's going strong. You can be like, Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe dare I say we get a quality start out of him and we, we save some of those bullpen arms and we're in a good spot. Like maybe that is the way to approach that. Um, I, I think he is the option though. Honestly, I, I think it is the way to go, go back to him, see what he's got. Like the, the situation is calling for it. If he can't deliver, he can't deliver. I do feel like the Brewers have not done enough in giving him opportunities when he was doing a lot of really good work, came up, didn't work out. Confidence takes a hit. Same thing happens again. I really think he could have done with even like two, three weeks where he's getting occasional bullpen reps, or maybe it's like, Oh, look, a clean inning and another clean inning and just string some confidence together, string some good games together without giving him that opportunity. It gets tough and it's lonely out there as a starter. When the only time you come up, you've only got bad experience to draw upon. Like I don't don't know if that's really doing the best for a guy. I think I think it calls for another chance. It could be ugly, it could be painful, but you don't really uh you don't really design a scenario where you're gonna be down Freddie Peralta, where you might be down Eric Lauer, where you, you're still going to be without Aaron Ashby at this point in the season with these stakes it may end up being that they're punting a game but they can't go into any game with that mindset because one game could be the deciding factor in the season and I sure hope not because my god there's so many games we could look back to over this season and being like what were they doing what were they doing there and look what it's cost them for now though let's finish again with the positivity two wins very nice, very nice not to drop a game to an opponent. First time since July, was it? You you had that stat the other day. You were sharing with us. Oh, um, that they that they swept. If we count it, that they swept us. We're going to count it because we may have to wait <laughs> like until next season. Otherwise, for a sweep. Yeah, so it was like the first sweep. first three games of July or first three days of July. I think they swept the Pirates. That was the last time they swept somebody. For a long time. It's a long time, yeah. and it really that that sums up what's happened to this team season. So let's let's go and get a sweep without a doubt. Like if we're not calling two games a sweep, let's go and sweep three against the Reds, because the Brewers might need those those games banked for an eight game stretch um, of Cardinals, Yankees, Mets. Yeah. All right, that does it for us for this episode. Thank you, Ty, for uh, 
you know, taking in a couple of brewers wins and resurfacing. We appreciate it. it turned out very important. We needed, we needed the extra bullpen arm here today to get through the show. So oh God, I'm eating small. Oh no. <laughs> no, you, you'll be eating small. If, if you're called up to start, if you're the host next week out of nowhere, uh, if, I, if I'm called small. up to start and after 10 minutes, my computer explodes, I'm Ethan small. Sorry, Ethan uh, small. please prove me wrong. <laughs> please prove Ty wrong. Um, as always, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. That's cruising for bruising. We're on Twitter at Brewers GSPN. I'm Adam E11, Andrew's at AC Snide. Ty is at Ty Windish. Uh, if you like what you hear, please go leave five-star ratings and reviews. Importantly, you also need to be on top of all of the other things, Eurostep Podcast Network. We've already touched on it, though, but a whole lot of other stuff going on today. We've got that Win and Six Ari Costello special over in the Eurostep Podcast Network feed. Eurostep episodes with Ty and Rowan covering all things Eurobasket. Uh, Numac and Jordan with a Talk of the Tundra episode for you all. Packers season about to get underway. NFL season now officially underway. And we had to make time for this episode on House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power the other day. So it's all happening. It's all there for you all across the Eurostep podcast network, as Ty mentioned earlier. Oh, sorry. Uh, Eugene Hortsutoglu is penning an article on Eurobasket as well. So if you're not already subscribed to the GSPN Substack link also can be found at gspn.info. Make sure you are for that. A lot of, you probably should be. There's a lot of cruising for a bruising content on the Substack. Adam and Andrew are the best at consistently utilizing the Substack, but make sure you don't miss that. Eugene over in Greece, obviously very plugged into the Greek team. So excited to get his perspective once again. Absolutely. Eugene's perspective on the Greek team. Always, always invaluable. Always a must read or a must listen. So shout out to Eugene. As Ty said, gspn.info, that's your one-stop shop to get on top of everything. If you want to find the pod, subscribe to them, leave reviews, get in the Discord, subscribe to the Substack, check out the merch store, gspn.info. All of your information is there. Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Adam and Andrew. Thanks, Andrew.